honesty hour, I did not know what I was doing in regards to launching this podcast. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without Anchor. Anchor makes starting a podcast super, super easy and allows you to not only use their platform to distribute the podcast, but you can even go on your phone or computer and record and edit the podcast right on their platform. Best of all, it's totally, totally free. So if you're interested in starting a podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Hi, I'm Gabriela Gomez, Global Marketing Director at K-Swift. And I just recorded my episode for the Women in Sneakers season of the Strange on Purpose podcast. Basically, I want to ask you right now, uh, like, how have you personally have been dealing, how have you been dealing with COVID? Oh, man, it, it's been rough. Um, I have a roommate, so the working situation the first couple of months was so rough trying to figure out, okay, no, you get the main room you're working in your room, like trying to figure out that schedule of uh, not feeling like you're stuck in your room the whole day and night and everything. Um, So that was rough, but it's really actually been great. I found a balance. Um, I've started waking up and running every morning, which I I was talking to somebody that used to live with me yesterday. And she was like, wait, you are not a runner. (laughs) Like you would never run. You'd be the last person that I would think took up running during quarantine um so trying to figure out those ways of like keeping a schedule has been really interesting and really fun to like test out things and see what makes you feel good and if you can keep up with it then it feels like it puts that structure back in your day gives you a reason to get up and out in the morning um and get dressed which is always a good thing um so those little things finding those wins has been important um first few months was rough Feel it. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I think, what month are we on now? Six. I don't even know. Yeah. Don't even want to talk about. Just it. all a blur <laughs> at this point. <laughs> yeah, I um, it was a towards the tail end of May. I had a one of my best friends um, actually passed away. So trying to figure oh, out wow. how to navigate funeral plans and memorial services and all these things um, was a, a rough time within quarantine especially but that kick-started my I need to put some structure back into my life and figure out how to work out on the regular and keep my myself at least like sane in any regard um so it's been a, a long six seven months yeah <laughs> yeah. Sorry yeah. That. yeah it's wild like like grief I know this is totally unrelated to everything that we're about to talk talk about but grief and just the changes and then you add COVID on top of that spending so much time alone like just mm-hmm. I, I can't even imagine like yeah maybe it's good to to be able to explore that versus the pressures yep. of going back to work yeah oh I mean if uh, yeah it was that two weeks we had our global sales meeting too I don't think I told anyone that first week because I didn't want like we were in the deep end with sales meeting like I was presenting every single day and trying to like hold it together and it was almost like all right hold it together go at night and try and figure out how we do this candlelight vigil and then come back and do it all over again so at least I got a little bit of socialization during that time which was awesome um definitely had to be socially distant and all that which was interesting but at least you got some sort of connection 
which we hadn't had with each other in months and opened up a lot more conversations and a lot like reconnection with friends was amazing. So have to look at the bright side with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I saw or when we first chatted on the phone, you mentioned that you you actually get some pool time. You get an hour of pool time during COVID. That's, that's good, right? <laughs> it's huge. I have like a one small balcony off of my apartment. So I've been like huddling up trying to get some sunshine at least um, <laughs> once a day. But every week or so we get an hour and a half of pool time and it is, it's epic. <laughs> you guys get that? Or like, do you have a backyard? Like what? Because you guys are, where is it? Wisconsin? Yeah. 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 I wish my place had a pool. It doesn't. <laughs> It does not for as, for as much as I pay. Yeah, it's got like a rooftop. For as much as I pay, though, it, there should be a pool. There should be like a top of the line, like bar, like any yeah. restaurant, like something. Oh man, <laughs> rent prices these days across the board. Oh, oh yeah. I just moved, yeah. and I have a amazing like older landlord that cares way too much about his apartment. But like, I have this massive patio now. I live like five minutes away from Q. But I also live on Lake Michigan, basically. So, Tough. yeah, now every You're morning I walk to the lake, I'm just chilling. <laughs> wow, that's a life. I probably send Q a picture every morning just to make him. I'm like right there too, man. Like, <laughs> that actually. But... Q's going to show up with a, a, a beach chair or something, <laughs> post up on your patio. <laughs> I would. Build you later, man. Yeah, the first time you said that, I was like, what do you mean you get an hour of pool time? I thought you were talking about K-Swiss. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I have to like strategically plan it for, okay, anytime I can find it on the weekend because it's a portal that you like fill out and you see the drop down menu of like the open slots. Wow. And you only get like one spot per person. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. California is not doing well right now. So. Yeah. We're super strict here. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Are you guys open? Are yeah, you guys we're, like, we're open much? stupidly right now. Yeah, we should. There's uh, So in Milwaukee, there's a mask mandate, which is great. Um, Good. As of like two days was, ago. Yeah. As, like if you drive, basically if you're anywhere in Milwaukee, it's a thing that you can be in a rural area area within 20 minutes. So you'd be outside Milwaukee wow. County within 20 minutes, either direction. And that means within 20 minutes, there's a whole bunch of people not wearing a mask. Wow. Um, so that's where we're currently at. So like, we haven't been to the office. We haven't been doing anything. We're just doing this. Uh, yeah. Sitting at the, the home office and everything like that. Shoot. It <laughs> seems like it's never ending. But at least you guys could have that escape from masks if you need, like yeah. on the bright side, you know. Exactly. Maybe make sure you're socially distant, but yeah, we're we're not allowed to even run without a mask right now. Ooh, that's good. So be tough. that is it's rough. As long as your cases are staying low, like you're good. Yeah. We just are so densely populated here that it's yeah. it's a joke. Wow. That's <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Yep no end in sight are you guys liking the work from home situation though like uh, oh, i'm loving it i think everybody else is hating it but i'm like i my day-to-day -day before this was just talking to people non-stop constantly and constantly fixing problems and like now it's like i just chill like i've got my dog i've got my girlfriend i'm good don't need to see anybody that's, that's all you need shoot <laughs> i'm uh i'm sitting here like i i don't know 
I am probably the most uh, outgoing person you'll ever meet. Um, I'm down for anything. I'll talk to anybody, even if they don't like me, I'll still talk to them. Um, but I don't know, like, I feel like quarantine's changed me a little bit because I'm just completely down with just chilling. Like, I'm a big plant guy all of a sudden, like in, within the last like, yeah, six, seven see. months. Yeah, like see, you're listening to the podcast, you can't see, but I can see enough for everybody. <laughs> yeah. How many plants are in the background right now? There's like three. Uh, I actually counted this morning. My mom asked me because I FaceTimed her. I have 13 in this room. Um, and then I have a whole bunch in, in the other room. Um, yeah, it's like, it's like strategically placed that it's not too much, but it's, uh-huh. I guess not a little bit either, but, um, yeah, I got really into planting, um, and plants and stuff like that. That's another thing we moved here and there's flower beds everywhere. So, um, I'm determined to have the best patio. <laughs> yeah, shoot. I tried to do a succulent garden on my little sliver of sunshine over here and uh killed it so <laughs> that's really tough to do if you haven't played around with succulents it's, it is literally it have to water is. them once a month if that apparently yeah. you're supposed to spray them apparently i was drowning them i don't i give up <laughs> so good for you for being able to maintain such gorgeous plants back there props oh, thank you <laughs> you're like a when I went to Q's apartment, I went to help Q move out of an apartment once and uh, he hadn't cleaned up yet. So I was helping him clean up and uh, I pulled back a curtain and there was the driest cactus in the world behind the curtain. And he's like, oh, damn, I meant to move that after it got some sun. <laughs> yeah. and I was like, yeah, I mean, aren't right. cactuses supposed to be, I mean, they're supposed to be dry, right? Yeah. But, yeah, but it sunshine? Was, like it was I touched it dusty. and it basically dis- disintegrated. Yeah. <laughs> incredible incredible (laughs) it takes talent to not be able to take care of plants i'm working you know what exactly (laughs) talent absolute talent (laughs) well to get back on track or to get on track in the first place because we haven't been on track um can you intro yourself just tell us a little bit of what you do and, and why you do it sure um gabriela gomez global marketing director at k swiss um i have always been a storyteller um I think since middle school, actually, when I got recruited for a yearbook, if you can believe it, that, that early, I was putting things together and, um, you know, coming up with stories left and right and seeing things and being an observer. Um, I would say I'm not the most like naturally social person, something that I've worked on throughout my life. Um, but I've always been an observer. So finding those stories and finding the commonalities between people is um, one of the things I love to do. And I've been fortunate enough to keep it um, as part of my career long-term. It's kind of been one of the, the constant things throughout every job that I've had, no matter what part of my career and um, where I'm at and what industry. So I've, I can firmly say I'm a storyteller. <laughs> Dig that. Yeah. Oh, we've been spending too much time together. We just yeah. said at the same time. <laughs> That's cool though. That's very cool. Yeah. What, um, so how global marketing director there's going to be a ton of people that have are aspiring to have that position or may have that position right now how do you come about getting to where you are today uh well i actually was recruited for this job um a recruiter reached out to me i was working in esports at the time um and 
this recruiter looked at me on LinkedIn and reached out saying, Hey, do you know anyone you're, you're back with your similar background? I'm like, actually, I would be perfect for that job. Let me apply. Like that's my dream right there. Um, very clear on who K-Swiss was in the past and where they could go. And it kind of all fell into place. Luckily. Um, I think it was a really quick and swift process too. Like within a month, once a week, I was talking to somebody at the company and it was Nice. done before I knew it yeah really really great um but before that I was consulting for years um coming off of Beats by Dre and um when Apple bought Beats by Dre I actually turned into a consultant my boss was like look the way that this is shifting and the way that the business is going um your strengths like you would do really well being a consultant I think we should move you to this ex internal external role um, where you're still getting to do all the things you love, but not having to deal with any of the things that maybe you hate. <laughs> um, and I think you can flourish from there. So I was an influencer uh, wrangler, essentially, is the best way to put it um, for Beats. Um, and then I was noticing kind of, obviously, from watching the, the guys internally at Beats for years, um, seeing certain things and learning from the best that was my two years internal at beats was my master's I mean that's that's your PhD um, anybody that came out during that time um, I was just talking to somebody else that was former beats um, I think like two weeks ago and she was like that was that's your master's like that's your master class um, so to have that was pretty amazing um, but then being able to take those same learnings watch them from the outside and build upon those learnings. Um, I was able to take those influence relationships and build out programs with brands that I worked with. Um, so not only was I uh, able to learn along the way, but I was also able to implement things in a different fashion and grow them for other brands. Um, yeah, that's kind of how I came to be. Yeah. <laughs> That's legit. Was it yeah. was it hard for you initially going from like full-time employee to consultant? And then to oh add on that, was it hard like going back from consultant to employee? I mean, it was extremely hard. I mean, if you think about it, I was I was really young. So I I was recruited for Beats right out of college, um, right after my internship with a social media platform called Viddy back in the day. Um, which is an interesting one we should talk about. I don't know if you guys have heard of Viddy in the past, but um, think of Vine before Vine was Vine. So I learned Ooh, how to make okay. really short videos and short stories. Um, but I was recruited for Beats and, um, you know, being internal, that turns into your life. This is, that was, we're all my friends. Um, it was the only people I hung out with. We were all transplants in some form or fashion and we clicked. Everybody was very tight-knit there. Um, to this day, we're still close. Um, so this core group, and then you throw in Apple into the mix, or, you know, just the changes in business, per se, um, and turning into a consultant, I felt isolated, like this was a super tough, like, emotional time where you feel rejected, why don't they want me internally, um, but you also don't quite see it in the moment of the possibilities there, whereas like the person that turned me into a consultant really did see that path for me. Um, and I can say I'm grateful for that and thankful for him for doing that. But at the time it was super rough on me because I didn't know that there was a path. 
I just thought it was going to be some like, you know, once in a while thing that I did. Um, so trying to figure out that path and make it a sustainable, stable path was, was a learning curve. And I was 23, 24, trying to do that that young and understand what being a consultant means and how to build a business on the side was a tough time. Um, and then going back internal, I was lucky enough to uh, be, pulled, again, LinkedIn, um, hmm. LinkedIn message from uh, the president over at DC Shoes um, at the time, Mike Jensen. Um, he was looking for an influencer agency. That's what I was doing. Um, and I went in for a meeting and it turned into like a three hour strategy session. Um, I think four hours. It was a crazy long time that uh, neither of us expected we would go this far in depth, but I clicked there um, and was able to find a balance between being a consultant and technically being internal. Cause I was there nine to five Monday through Friday um, at the end of the day. So it was a really interesting period there where it was kind of like, I'm technically a consultant, but I'm transitioning back into uh, learning how to be a full-time employee. Being a consultant, you're typically coming into a company and you're going in for two-hour meetings or you're on a call here and there. You're not really sitting at a desk nine to five. Um, so that culture change, that was a good transition to then because I did have a little bit of flexibility there. Um, if I didn't want to come in or couldn't come in one day, it wasn't a big deal. Um, but having that place to go nine to five and going <laughs> um and because people want you to go was a good it was a good transition time and a good opportunity there um so it transitioned my <laughs> consulting uh lifestyle really nicely um so i'm thankful for that yeah so i think you you hit on video when we chatted um, you, I want, I wrote it down to make sure that we hit on that. Do you want to go into detail as to what you did there? Um, and what yeah. that I, you, you mentioned a little bit as to what video is, but a little bit more detail on that. Oh, I was an intern. Um, it was my senior year of college. Um, there was a alumni from my college that was working as head of marketing there. And, um, basically all the interns were in charge of doing one post a day and driving uh, this theme for the whole app. Um, so video at the time, I believe it was 15 or a minute long video, uh, might've been 30 seconds, somewhere in there, uh, but short, short form video. Um, you could, at the time, if you can imagine it in 2012, there wasn't video on Instagram. So it was a huge thing. Um, I remember being in the office when Justin Bieber posted on the app and it broke the server, like completely crashed the server uh, because it was such a new startup still, technically. Um, I think they got, ended up getting acquired shortly after I left, but um, figuring out how to do catchy Vine level content, if you will, like the best way I can explain it is like loopable, uh, bingeable short form content. Um, so as an intern, you're, you're in charge of like hug a tree day, um, where you do little snippet on that or go fish day, just little silly videos that then, um, challenged the community to follow your, your lead on that. Um, so I was constantly posting like, go hug a tree. I want to see you guys all hug a tree. And then I would do my little video, um, and encourage my network on that app. 
to do it too. <laughs> I made a lot of friends from that app too, strangely. I still follow a lot of the people that I was following there and met through there essentially. So it was a cool opportunity, cool experience. That's super dope. I think, yeah. uh, I mean, obviously Vine comes to mind, TikTok comes to mind, um, Byte, who uh, I just was introduced to. So like, there's so yeah. many of these short form, like short hitting, short form content um, platforms yeah. popping up. And um, how, how, have, how have you kind of taking all these platforms and kind of implemented K-Swiss? Have you really like jumped into TikTok? Have you really, I know you guys have an Instagram presence, everything like that. Like what's, yeah. what, how's the strategy been on that front? we're building that um it's definitely a new emerging platform for us um the amount of we're a really small team so the amount of work that we do on other platforms is priority um tiktok is one that we play around with and explore and try and find some ways to engage that community um and i think it's been awesome our videographer mason who's internal um he's done a great job of doing those quick hitting content pieces but then also we're going to now test out on Instagram if it does well. Um, so it's a good testing platform. We haven't quite dove too deep into it. Um, we're starting to, I think you'll see, I am actually headed into the office um, to shoot something real quick later on today uh, with a friend of mine um, for TikTok. And we're just finding different ways of like incorporating it into our shoots currently. Um, so it definitely is a new platform for us still. Um, I don't know if it'll ever become the platform like such as instagram or any of the, the heavier hitters there um but it's a fun one that we can engage a different community with and get a younger audience yeah i'm interested to see what happens with tiktok with everything that's right. going on um well, but I was, go ahead the ultimate you know issue with vine was they didn't know how to monetize the platform correctly i worked a lot with viners that was what one of the biggest things that i did with beats towards the end was I was uh, that influencer wrangler for digital content creators, uh, which at the time was like still in its infancy. People didn't realize that, you know, influencers could be Instagrammers or Viners. Um, I was kind of hitting my head against a brick wall at first there internally, uh, pushing like, even at the time, like, like The Rock wasn't considered a global celebrity enough um, even though he was wildly popular on social media. Um, so looking at the different people like Curtis Lepore or Brittany Furlon or uh, Jerry Perpdrank, um, Daystorm Power, people like that, really they were looked at as content creators and not true influencers, whereas I was seeing them as that's, those are the people influencing what content is being pushed on these platforms. They're able to uh, piece things together and uh, start a trend what they're actual influencers more so than any celebrity really at the time um, is that why they pushed you to get more into consulting because that was like a completely different time like completely oh, was, different time. yeah yeah absolutely and it was um, you know that's what I specialized in was I was happened I happened to make a good network in the digital creator world um, whether it's fitness influencers or true creators um, just cross all genres. Um, I just happened to fall into that niche, um, mainly because I think I was the age that a lot of them were. So I was able to go and hang out with them and be natural there, uh, where it's not some like 
old corporate guy. <laughs> like, no offense to those guys, but like, it does seem out of place when you've got like the older dude hanging out with all these digital influencers that are like selfieing and posting to Instagram at the same like it's it's a little weird. Um, but at the time, I was the proper age to just seamlessly fit into those crowds um, so I could really make the relationships. Um, and I did. I have a lot of friends that came from that space. Um, so it, that's definitely a factor into why I was becoming a consultant um, because I really did push internally there. And at the time, it just wasn't built. It wasn't the, en the engine wasn't built for that yet. It yeah. was literally six months later when they called me back and they were like, hey, we now need you on a regular basis. Um, yeah. And all these companies started jumping on board with it. Um, but at the time, it was very much, you have to be a traditional celebrity to be looked at as a traditional celebrity. And that, cha that changed wildly over the, the, the following two years when I left. It was 2014, 2015. So it's a different time. Completely different time. On the, yeah. uh, on the influencer side, um, kind of like a two-part, but one, how did you go about building those relationships outside of going to parties and hanging out with people? Because I, I do know that's a part of it. Um, <laughs> Huge but part. Two, two, how did you know that like this is the thing that I should lean into? Or did you know? Or was it just like, I'm just going to follow this because it's working and these people are popular? Um, it, so to answer your question on all parts, um, I... <laughs> I don't think I mentioned this. I was a club promoter in college. So going to college near LA, I was in Thousand Oaks, um, but I promoted clubs in LA. I would take people from my college to the clubs in LA. Um, you meet a lot of people, you know, you're 21 in the club scene on the regular basis. Like it, you tend to meet a few people um, and then just kind of made relationships that way. You talk to people outside of the club you make those relationships, you ask them, you know, what are your dreams? I remember talking with one of the Viners and asking where they wanted to go. Like, why, why are you putting so much emphasis on this platform? Like, do you have long-term goals? Like, I want to help you meet your long-term goals. Do you want to be a writer? Let's figure out how to get you writing jobs through, with brands that will actually pay you on a regular basis. Um, because I think that's where a lot of true creatives struggle is how to monetize their craft. Um, directors are a little bit different. They're a little bit easier. They know the game a little bit better. But writers and um, actors sometimes always don't uh, know how to monetize their in the beginning. Um, and it, they struggle with that. Um, so when talking to them and how I really built some of the closer relationships was finding out what their dreams are and with the network that I had built on the corporate side, how do I help navigate them, like help them navigate this system? Because these YouTubers or bloggers or Instagrammers, uh, Viners, they don't know how to network in the right uh, corporate environments because they don't work in a corporate environment. They don't know the language. They're sitting in meetings and they're almost a little intimidated whether they've got 5 million followers on YouTube or Instagram, um, they're still intimidated sitting at the table across from, you know, heads of departments. Like at Beats, I remember one guy got, uh, I brought him in for a fitness campaign and one of the directors at um, the brand actually geeked out over him. And it, I, this was 
the director that I looked at as like, he's one of the most OG, coolest dudes in the room, like too cool for school on 90% of the things, like <laughs> never would have guessed he'd be like, hey, can I get a photo with you, dude? Like never seen that happen before. Like it's it was amazing. a cool thing. Like we don't ask for photos. That's a weird, like we're too cool being inside the brand. That's part <laughs> of the like mentality there is like no photos. Um, and this guy asked for a photo with the influencer and the influencer was like, oh, didn't realize like you actually followed me and you were a fan. I thought this was just like a business meeting and um, he was, it helped him loosen up a bit. But at first he was pretty intimidated and sitting across from all these guys, um, not knowing what the brand wants from him because all he's heard is horror stories of brands taking advantage of influencers. Um, so that particular incident, like, remember him getting pretty real with me after and being like I don't want to be taken advantage of brand thank you for coming and helping me navigate this thank you for translating what they're saying so that I I know it's not going to be a bad experience like all the horror stories I've heard of brands taking advantage of my friends um so I guess that's did I answer your question I went on a tangent there no, that's good <laughs> <laughs> So your time at DC, um, you mentioned you helped them uh, switch over the entire, switch over from just skate to lifestyle, if I'm not mistaken, um, or add in lifestyle. Uh, Mm -hmm. Can you go into how that came about and like what all went into that? Sure. So when I got pulled in um, by Mike Jensen over there, and the reason we were talking for four hours in this strategy session was um, because he had a shoe launching in the lifestyle space. Um, and they were really focused on this streetwear consumer. Um, and they have a collaboration guy starting. He did great for them. He's still doing great for them, if I am correct there. Um, and they need someone to run like the campaign for this lifestyle product that's launching it's not something that they're used to it's not something that they've really been doing in recent years uh, at that time um and i followed what they they had a whole like group come in to do a study it was called mckinsey and they did a whole report on like here's what you should follow we took some of that and then we added in our spin to it um and built the program around that to target that consumer that they thought was a good target for us. Um, so I worked really close with him and then the head of marketing that started after Michael Minter helped me finesse it all the way through and really build out each stage of that go to market process, which was a new, that was completely new for me. Um, but I picked it up fairly quickly, um, adding great uh, mentors and leadership there to help guide along a new path. Um, but I think because I was coming from a different world than sneakers, I was able to see it in a different light and be able to navigate it in a different way um, and not be as uh, traditional as some of the, the traditional sneaker people uh, in this industry are, where they, they only go through the proper process as they know it from the past 25 years. Um, I was coming at it from a fresh perspective and going, why aren't we doing X, Y, and Z? Um, so adding in a little bit more freshness. Um, and modern takes on things, um, really driving content and influencers as the base of this because of budget reasons, it's usually the easiest way to to get an impact too. Um, We didn't have multi-million dollar uh, campaigns to push on 
digital. We didn't have that bucket of funds. Um, so what are other ways that we can still hit that consumer? Um, finding those creative avenues was amazing. So yeah, it's, it's really cool seeing brands take a shift and you're doing it right now with K-Swiss as well, uh, which we hit on as uh, we hit on on our call. It's just, there's so many things going on right now, uh, whether it be world things or just people uh, focused on sustainability or anything like that. And it's, it's just really cool seeing all these brands really take a shift uh, in let's say products or anything like that. So is there something that K-Swiss is working on right now that really excites you um, that for the future? There's so much. So part of my role that's different from even DC, like DC, I was focused on women's at the end. It was a small portion of business. It was an emerging category. Case with, I'm leading the marketing efforts on everything. Um, and stepping back and looking at everything from a holistic perspective and a, in a fresh perspective, um, I was noticing that it's scattered. It was a little scattered. Uh, you couldn't quite tell, like even just looking at the Instagram, it's cool content, but it was all so different and there was no through line um, brand message and story other than the fact that they're all about entrepreneurs um, and hustling like that was clear they had aligned with great people there but as far as an aesthetic as far as a brand heritage what it's rooted in um, there wasn't that clearly defined Um, so what I'm focused on right now is clearly defining that um, and making sure that you hear K-Swiss and you know exactly what it is it's the American Heritage Tennis brand period like Mm -hmm. you get it you can visualize it Um, so finding those ways of making sure that that message is clearly stated and clearly seen and not seeing as if it's a hard transition because it's not, it's what we were based in, it's what we're rooted in, it's our heritage. Um, but so many people know us in different avenues that it's like, okay, how do we make esports fit into this? Um, that's the challenge, right? That's the beauty of it. How do we make sustainability fit into it? How do we tell the story of entrepreneurs and hustlers into this, um, house? as well so it's building this this house and building those different floors and levels and uh fitting all the stories in so that it makes a seamless brand and tells a good story um that's the fun part that's one of my obviously i'm pretty passionate about this um it's one of my biggest focuses for this year and next i would say even next year as well um we're looking five years out and making sure that we can hit certain numbers but also tell a certain brand story um, within three years so that we can hit numbers in five years because it's clearly defined and people can uh, picture what we are. I think that's the biggest things that brands sometimes are trying to be everything to everybody. Um, and you can just do it with your own spin, do it with your own aesthetic, do it with your own brand style. Um, and once you have that clearly defined, you can go into all these different niches. Um, and as far as programs right now, um, that's pretty cool. Uh, the president of our company, Barney Waters, is doing a lot around uh, Black Lives Matter, which has been super awesome to watch him dive in full force. Like he's been leading this program um, with the support of the marketing team, but um, having him be passionate about it and want to learn everything he can, help as much as he can, um, doing all the different efforts that we're doing internally and programs that we're building are pretty amazing to be able to do it as such a small brand in such a short amount of time with the limited resources that we do have. We looked at it from a, what platforms can we help, uh, can we open up to help 
other businesses? Um, who are those people that we can bring in to help elevate their story and tell their story and um, open up our resources, limited as they may be? How do we open them up anyways to help the greater good? It's been awesome to watch him do that and help wherever I can. Um, that's been one of the coolest ones recently that we've been doing. Nice. Really cool. Yeah. It's cool to yeah. see brands like lead with story. And I think that's just something that the sneaker industry does like beautifully and something that honestly before, like I started doing research for this series, I was not fully aware of. Um, but you, you mentioned esports, and I'm sorry, I'm not going to keep it here long, I promise. <laughs> but this is like, this is my world. And I know K-Swiss, if I'm not mistaken, has an esports shoe, which is like the the funkiest, but the coolest thing to me. Can you talk about like that, the intersection and maybe possibly if you can, like future um, plans? And if not, just like why specifically esports and sneakers? So that's, that's honestly one of the things that we're looking into now is how do we move forward with this as a, um, a brand that's rooted in American heritage tennis? What does esports got to do with anything? Um, and in the past, I mean, you look at esports as that modern day um, sport. I mean, it's it's something that's collaborative effort. It's a team sport in some cases. It's individual in some cases. Um, I think it was great for that moment in time too. We we want to embrace those consumers, um, and they hadn't really been talked to at that time. Um, so acknowledging them and acknowledging them as hustlers and as entrepreneurs in their own right. You look at all these. Um, gamers and esports players as brands themselves. Um, they're true entrepreneurs, if you think of them like that. All these uh, Twitch channels, huge. Like that's their their businesses. They're entrepreneurs, whether or not they're respected as such uh, broadly right now. They are. They are that. Um, so I think it was a really smart decision, um, especially at the time, to to make that sneaker. How we fold it into this greater brand story is something that we're working through right now. Um, I think we're always going to have it and always be able to talk to it and do drops occasionally and make it that special thing that um, our sparks every once in a while. Do I think that it's a um, something that's our core line? I think it, it yet to be determined. I think it's something that's special that we remain, uh, that we keep it and remain it as, as a special drop um, to acknowledge that they're hustlers and that they're entrepreneurs and they're part of our brand and our brand story is as such. Um, I think that's, we're always going to keep that spark occasionally to, to speak to that consumer. It's exciting. I have no further yeah. questions. Like <laughs> you mentioned sparks. Uh, yeah. I, I think it was a podcast with Barney when you first jumped on. Um, I was listening to it earlier and um, you guys were hitting on uh, the state of collaborations and uh, whether that, I think uh, one of the things was the esports shoe. Um, but I, distinctly remember after complex con chicago last year uh you guys collaborated with alexander john to make the uh, ghostbuster shoes mm -hmm. uh and the more i see all these collabs happening i feel like there's a new collab with a new new person every day do you feel as if that's collabs are gonna be like it's gonna keep on like this or do you feel like it's gonna dwindle uh in the near future I, I don't see this train stopping anytime soon yeah. with collaborations. I think it's definitely going to be a thing for a long time now, um, regardless of what brand or what industry. Um, I think it's cool because you see different mashups and different ways that brands are pushing and pulling who they are 
through collaborations, um, which is where I'm excited to uh, take K-Swiss for collaborations. Our collaborations manager, Jeff, um, has done a great job um, with planning collaborations that fit underneath this American Heritage Tennis brand story. Nice. Um, instead of just, you know, the quick hits of wherever you see it fit, it's now telling a broader story and pushing and pulling the brand in with this modern day preppy or modern day, like, heritage American brand looks like. Um, I think that's where we'll have a lot of fun with it because um, rather than just having the sneaker and having our identity get lost through um, a collaborator's full vision, it's a, it's a matter of collaborating. Like you're truly got to collaborate uh, to be able to do a great collaboration, right? It's got to look like K-Swiss, but also look like the collaborator um, partner um, rather than just a partner coming in and taking the shoe or vice versa. Um, we want it to be a true partnership and look like uh, both brands at the same time. So pushing and pulling that from an untraditional standpoint is where it's going to get fun, um, where maybe you'll see like, I don't know, just hypothetically like goth prep. What does that look like? Like yeah. how do we push and pull what modern preppy looks like to, to destigmatize it um, is going to be where it gets fun and that's where that ever changing and ever flowing timeline of collaborations uh, gets to look awesome and gets yeah. everybody excited is, and why that train is never going to stop is because you can push and pull the brand so many different ways, um, especially when you're looking at different avenues that are untraditional in fitting your brand into, um, but it has to be a true partnership. That's the only way collaborations are going to truly work and uh, not look like you're just a try hard. Um, Truth. And I see a lot of brands just jumping into a space and being like, oh, we're just going to do a collaboration with this because it's going to sell a lot of units. Okay. But it said nothing. It meant nothing. It's just you slapping somebody's name on it. What is that doing? Like, is that doing anything for either party? Yeah. It's got to be a true partnership. It's got to be you guys coming together as uh, creatives and uh, finding a way to mesh the two brands together. I feel that. I, it's funny. Yeah. I, I think of when you, you mentioned that um, Adidas and Prada just collaborated and on a superstar and it was basically like Prada just threw their, literally just threw their name on it. And people were yeah. like, I can buy a pair of superstars for $80, $80 rather than this $400 one. Yep. And um, that's where I feel like if, I don't know, brands just need to, um, I mean, honestly, just following your path and figure out like, okay, figure out where the collaborators that are going to put in twice the effort as the brand to kind of make sure that each, each party is happy at the end of the day. Yeah. It can't just be slapping a name on a shoe, especially not with the luxury fashion houses. Like there's such an opportunity there. And yeah. why would you, uh, why would you just slap your name on it? Um, I think the people that are doing it really well, um, like I saw a St. Laurent Wilson collaboration yeah. um, where it's very St. Laurent, um, but it's striking and it's eye-catching in a way where you're like, oh, I didn't realize that Wilson, and, like that's a cool collaboration because it's a truly eye-catching collaboration where both parties are pushing and pulling their boundaries to some degree. Yeah. Um, I think that's how it's done, right? So. Exactly. exactly. Are you involved in that process with K-Swiss at all? Like what's your level of involvement with collaborations? So I 
I am to a T, to, to a certain degree. Um, Jeff Nishimoto is our collaborations manager and he's the guru at it. Um, I make sure that everything goes through him. He's got the back end process locked because if that isn't um, tight, it becomes a mess and all parties are uh, have a headache involved. Um, so he's a master at that side. Everything goes through him. If I see an opportunity, those opportunities come from everywhere, right? So whether it's Barney reaching out, it's me reaching out, um, and pulling this brand in, doesn't matter where it's coming from, but it all gets funneled through Jeff um, and then managed from there. If we um, um, totally, again, not on topic, kind of on topic, um, let's say an up-and-coming brand or an up-and-coming designer, up-and-coming whatever, they want to collab, like what are some things that they should be doing? You know, what's the checklist like? And then how do they go about reaching out? Or do they just yeah. let's just do the thing and hope that, people come to us. So I think the, the best advice there is be you and be authentic to who you are and what you are and have a very clearly defined brand house and brand vision and path. Um, that's one of the things that I think we look at when we're looking at collaborators is who are they? Can we clearly define who they are from looking at them? Um, just outside in perspective. And then the right collaborators are going to come find you because you're very clear on who you are as a brand um, and what you stand for and what you look like. Um, and you won't get diluted by doing a collaboration. Sometimes if you're, you're trying to be everything to everybody and you're just trying to get those big name collaborators on board, you're going to lose who you are. So focus on who you are as a brand and what statement you're making and what look you're trying to go for and um, the aesthetic that you stand for. And then you'll have the right people reaching out to you without a doubt. It makes me so happy, especially like the one, like the clarity. Yes. But aesthetic, I feel like people outside of like sneakers and fashion don't talk about it. And when they do, they're just talking about Instagram, which pisses me off. Like normally I, I rock like this uh, big black hat, you know, and I typically always wear black and it's like, there's a purpose for it, you know, and yeah. like, Oh yeah, like it's so cute, you know, like, but, there's so much power in aesthetic. So it's, it's just cool yeah. that you mentioned that. Yeah. I mean, it's something I think it's something you could take to a personal brand, like how you dress and just how you describe that. And um, I think that's a power that everybody can implement in their life too. I mean, it's, I have combat boots in my closet. I've got yes. cowboy boots in my closet. I've got high heels, sneakers, like really crazy sneakers, athletic sneakers. But if someone were to think of how I dress, guarantee you they would all just say black and sheep like period it's very clear and it's head to toe very specific and monotone and I don't do crazy stuff but I do because I am wearing the Jeffrey Campbell super stacked sneakers that like I'm lugging around because they're ankle weights um and I do do the combat boots that are the laced up crazy ones from Dolls Kill um and then some days I'm wearing you know the cowboy boots or the uh the athletic sneaker or um the racket club 66s that I've been living in lately from case with um so it's it's once you have your clearly defined aesthetic people are just always going to see that and then you can push and pull the boundaries from there and without it looking out of place um that's something that I think is underutilized undervalued and as all of us can implement it. Yeah. Dig. In regards to the subject matter, while you're on, obviously you got a, you have an amazing story, um, and 
any if anybody has gotten to this point of the pod, podcast, they know why you're on. Um, but in regards to women in sneakers, um, obviously representation is a hot topic right now, whether that's um, just people of color, um, whether that's your sexuality preference or um, anything, anything like that. I have a feeling or from an outsider's perspective, it seems like this is a ma- very male dominated industry. And yeah. until you do your research um, or listen to the entire season of Women in Sneakers, hopefully, um, somebody can be very naive and just assume, okay, well, the sneaker I'm wearing right now was made by a man, maybe, um, maybe with some input on one woman from one woman and that's it. Um, but there's so much more that goes into it. So do you want to talk about how being a woman in the industry has really, um, been for you personally without ruffling any feathers or anything like that? Oh, I think I've had a unique experience. Yeah, no ruffling feathers. I mean, you um, can. I'm all about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not afraid of that most of the time. Um, <laughs> so no worries there. But um, I've had a unique experience because I was an outsider. I wasn't traditionally from the sneaker industry. I wasn't in the shoe industry um, where product and marketing, I didn't understand why there was a disconnect a lot of the time too. So I was very involved in product discussions and inserting myself into that Um and maybe I've been fortunate enough to be, to have that path paved for me by other women. Um, it is mostly men um, in a lot of rooms. It's mostly men in a lot of brands um, that I've run into. Um, and I think it shows with certain designs too, of like you shrink it and pink it. That's a big thing that I always hear is like, oh, we don't mm-hmm. want to just shrink it and pink it. We want to uh, listen to the concerns and have this, specific design for women um lower the collar heights and certain things to make your legs look longer and certain things like that but um up until I think I was asking the questions of like why does this shoe hurt <laughs> like certain no matter what brand it was I just said like hey I can't wear this shoe I'm having a hard time finding a shoe within our range like how do we push our boundaries a bit on what we're traditionally known as um, and what we traditionally have in the line to make sure that we're speaking to all girls, all women. Um, how do we make this appealing to the girly girl at DC, which is traditionally a skate brand, which is a more tomboy-esque brand. Let, let's focus on that girl that wouldn't be traditional in this space. And then we open up our, our base here a lot. Um, so I think I've had a unique experience in that matter where I've, been able to have conversations like that um and maybe i've been naive and just been kind of blind to it uh it's possible i've just been you know barging into rooms and being like hey i want to like fix this sneaker how do we do this like i have this issue here i'm inserting uh i was inserting wedges into a lot of my shoes most of the time um just because i didn't like wearing sneakers i was wearing heels every day traditionally um at being a consultant or being a beast like it was heels um so I'm very much that person uh so being in the sneaker industry I'm like oh, man, I have to wear flat flat sneakers like I, that's anxiety driving for me um so I was putting inserts into them um and really it's led to some innovation on at least from my point of view of like all right how do we think of this differently um a 
I was wearing high tops at a sales meeting, my first sales meeting at K-Swiss. Um, and I don't know if anyone except for our head of product design uh, knew that I had two and a half, three inch wedge inserts into those high tops. Oh. Um, <laughs> so I styled them differently. I unlaced them differently because you had to, because otherwise your foot wouldn't fit in the shoe with the insert. Um, so it makes you rethink kind of traditional shoes that you had in the line. Um, and I think that's been the coolest experience right now is being able to have those conversations with our head of design uh, is he looked at me, I was on stage um, doing the presentation at my first uh, global sales meeting and he pulled me aside after and he's like, I've never seen him style those like that. Like what, what's going on here? And I'm, I pulled out the wedge and I was super <laughs> excited to show him. And uh, since then we've had a lot of conversations as far as like, okay, collar heights, uh, where does the tongue hit? Like, what are those specific things that we can start to think about from a female perspective that maybe we hadn't thought of before? Because our design team has been predominantly men. There probably was women involved in the past. Um, our, our product management team is female for the most part, um, led by Wallace Mills, who's been great at listening to all of my <laughs> concerns and uh, crazy thoughts and like, hey, what if we try this? Um, so that's been super fun to, to think about it from a different perspective. And I've been fortunate enough as a, a, a woman in the industry to be able to be heard, um, where I don't know if I'd get that same treatment at other brands. Um, but the two sneaker brands that I have been at DC and K-Swiss have been an amazing experiences. And, um, I'm fortunate to be able to have those open dialogues with the teams, um, across each faction of the, the business so that we can speak to women across the board and start to look at things a little differently than uh, we historically have. I love that. a long tangent. Of, no, that, that uh, hit it though. Like you, <laughs> it seems like uh, you jumped in, you jumped on with K-Swiss and it seems like they haven't put any limitations on you. You're, you've really jumped in all all in and I just everything. want to add I feel like no one can put limitations on you right that too yeah. I, so I always warn my bosses coming into I'm like I'm known to go rogue like that was what I was known at at Beast it was what I was known at as a like that's why I became a consultant is because I was going rogue and like making relationships and not knowing boundaries probably probably shout out to my mother like probably should have learned a little bit more like restrictions and like proper process um but i've been fortunate enough throughout my life to not really have those restrictions and be able to ask questions be able to sit at the adult table growing up and be curious about things um so being at these companies nobody has put restrictions hey you want to sit in on a product meeting cool like great be part of the process um i think that's the perks of small brands to some degree too is you know it's not uh adding another person in a meeting of 100 people or 20 people, it's small groups of 10 uh, or less um, that I'm sitting in that I can, you know, it's all the balance of finding the right time to speak at and finding the right person to speak to after where you're not overstepping certain roles or I think that's a, something I learned later <laughs> in my career probably. Um, but it's been a definitely an amazing experience and K-Swiss definitely hasn't put restrictions on me. Um, I came in at a really awesome time um, where the brand 
could take this new journey um, and could think outside the box. Um, so myself and our head of product started right around the same time. So Wallace Mills over on product side. Um, and I started about a year, a year ago. Um, and we were joining just at the time when we were bought by XStep, um, a brand out of China. And they're looking at us as a different brand and an investment um, rather than just, you know, quick cash, quick hits, just do what we can to keep the business alive. They're looking to grow it um, and have it stand for something and have it be something unique, um, which is amazing because I think the brand before the, the owners didn't think of it like that. Um, so it's been an amazing, we had a sweet spot as far as like joining at the right time, um, being owned by the right parent company, um, having the right leadership with Barney, like it's been amazing um, because he has been like, yeah, just do it. Like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I see the vision. I see it. Go for it. Sounds right. Like, love the love the vision. Um, so we've we've been working really closely product and marketing, which is also unique um, because I think historically, and I think we were told this too uh, by the head of design who has been at the company for twenty five years. He's like, we've never worked like this before, ever in twenty five years. Wow. Um, Marketing is involved at brand day and in the inception of the product. We're part of the product brief, um, which I can't speak to other brands that have done that. Um, but I think that's the beauty of uh, the women's line at DC when I was involved with it. Uh, we started, we were, we clicked. It was yin and yang with me and Courtney um, coming up with like, hey, wouldn't it be cool to like platform this, like add a platform to this shoe? Um, certain things like that where it, it truly was a product brief. That was a little bit of marketing insight, a little bit of product needs and products like pushing forward product um, and a little bit of market needs um, and opportunities. So uh, being able to take this same mentality at, at K-Swiss and seeing the opportunity um, and seeing the direction and being able to join at the right time, like there's so many things that's like, I want to say I lucked out because it's been a, a hit a sweet spot here. Um, as far as like joining at the right time under the right leadership under the right parent company like with the right counterparts across cross-functionally um, to get this into a certain direction that I think we're all super excited about um, globally which has been killer too I dig that what's yeah so how are you guys battling the so I'm how old am I 27 i'm going to be 27 um so Youngsters. that's how you know you're young when you say i'm going to be yeah. <laughs> um i hey i always say like oh i'm gonna be 30 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter what age just, you gotta age yourself or i'm almost in my 30s is how that's I why i dyed it. my hair gray time, <laughs> yeah i dyed my hair silver yep <laughs> so, so yeah like us growing up with the other parent company no like that's how i knew k-swiss was okay my dad i honestly it was back to school and i was getting reeboks and if i didn't want reeboks i was getting k-swiss and i never wanted k-swiss and now oh. there's people that still have that mentality but now like i'm looking at i literally just sent q a pair that omar was wearing i was like yo these are dope um, so like, yeah. how are you battling that old 
in a sense, traditional mindset of the brand or view of the brand. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, I hear that daily, to be honest. Um, and I think if you think about, like, I don't even think about the past 20 years. I think of like our heritage. Look at the SI-18, the classic 66, like, geez. They're coming back around. Like, they're, they're yeah. such timeless styles that it's like, okay, this is wearable. That's unique. And I'm not afraid to wear them. I'm not, I don't think they're not cool. Like, I probably wouldn't wear some of the ones in our line just because I, it does have that stigma. And I maybe don't like it, how it fits on my foot or whatnot. Like, it's not my go-to. Mm-hmm. But then the core styles, I'm like, oh, man. There's some, there's some cool, unique stuff in the line. Um, but I also like, I personally, I've never been a person that follows trends. Like I, I probably wore Abercrombie and Fitch at some point, but I wasn't like head to toe decked out all the time. I was like ACDC <laughs> shirt with Abercrombie and Fitch pants, like mix and matching it. Um, so I think those stigmas and that, that response to the brand is not something that I'm afraid of. And it's not something that I even pay attention to because uh, if you think of the brand like a person, it needs to be confident in who it is. Mm-hmm. This is who I am. Take it or leave it. Like that's confidence. That's something that people follow and something that people want to emulate and want to be a part of because they're like, oh man, that person does not give a, like they know who they are. They know what they want to be. They stand for something they're clear on, on their path and they don't bend for anybody. That's, I, that. I that's really do. Goal. Yeah. It's, it's really cool seeing the, and hearing from you just the, I, I, I hear the passion behind the brand. Uh, but then I also see it from everything that's being posted and everything like that as of late. And that's like, honestly, like that's one of the reasons I was like, Q, Q, we should, uh, we, I think we did a small shoot for you guys. Um, because I was like, yo, like some of the stuff are, are really dope. Like we got to We got to send them some content because there's some really Just good stuff. In there. I apologize, Omar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. edit something. Thank you for the free shoes. Though. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we do so much. Um, we do obviously, wow. I don't know where I was going with the first thing, but like with women and sneakers, I think, um, there's going to be some women. Uh, on here that are trying to get in the industry or anything like that. So can you give your, like a word, what's a characteristic, a word or a trait that a woman needs to have to get into this industry? Confidence. Confidence, uh, agility, like being able to just roll with things. It's a, um, it's a common response from everybody we've recorded so far. I mean, that's, that's the sneaker industry is your most industries these days. I think about my time at Beats, like plans changed 10 times in a day. Sometimes like you have to be able to have four different plans ready and the ability to just roll with things if needed um, and not get hung up on the fact that, oh man, I have to like redo my entire plan. Otherwise you're just going to stress yourself out. I've been, I mean, I've been the person that's gotten ulcers over things where it's like, oh, I was so hell bent on one thing, but now I change it all and I don't want to, and it's stressful and it's last minute. And it's, it's just being able to ride the wave and be able to know that there's a reason for all things. It's amazing. I agree. Yeah. Even though I'm yeah. not in the industry. 
<laughs> I would well, it doesn't that. matter what <laughs> industry you are, right? Yeah. It's, it's a personal thing too, is you got to be able to like roll with things as a person. You think quarantine, this thing has lasted forever. And the people that are getting stressed out every time it gets extended, yep. why? Like, just roll with it. Like, yeah. and there's people I know that are close in my circle that are getting stressed out over it. I'm like, just, it's, so what? It's yeah. happening. We're rolling with it. We're now in a groove with this. Like, it's, I'm almost stressed out to go back. because <laughs> I have to get in a new groove. Like, at least we're used to this now. Like, let's not get stressed over things that are out of our control. Let's just roll yeah. with it. Agreed. Yeah. That's like Before. life motto. <laughs> same, same. Um, I've been losing my train of thought all day. Um, but I was going to ask is before we go into the, into the next section, last section, is there anything that like, you're super excited about? Like what's next for K-Swiss that you can talk about? Oh man. So we're, we're in the process of signing, um, a global face, uh, first one in a, a long while. Um, and I think, I think I can share it with you guys and do a little sneak peek. Um, so Venus Williams talking about that American heritage yeah. tennis brand. Who it's better to bring on board than Venus Williams? Um, so having her participate in our brand campaign and be the first face of, of our club case with campaign that we're planning um, is epic, like absolutely epic. Um, she stands for everything we stand for and we're super excited to build with her. Um, she's, she knows she, she went to design school. Really? She, she declined offers to be endorsed by certain brands because she wanted to have her own clothing line and she's had her own clothing line. So we're doing stuff with them. That's incredible. Um, love that team over there. They're awesome. Um, and she's pretty much like the OG entrepreneur. When you talk about like women getting things done, like that's her, she's, she's a powerhouse. Super that's excited crazy. to have her on board. I think I'll even be able to share a sneak peek of, uh, the campaign that we're shooting here shortly. That's super well. dope. Yeah. Congrats. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I've been following That's them for a long time. Super exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, who better than Amer than the Williams sisters when you think of American tennis and Venus as a entrepreneur since oh, she was she was young when she was an entrepreneur, like a hustler since the beginning. Um, uh, is really inspiring. So we're excited to be teaming up with her. That's really cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Well, yeah. um, in these last five minutes, we want to obviously hit you with sh some quicker um, answer, quicker, quicker questions. So I'm going to start um, with what's your favorite sneaker that you've had some input on? Oh, the Racket Club six, Classic 66 um, and the second iteration of those that are going to be specifically targeted for women. I am the I'm living in them right now. I'm product test. I'm wear testing them. Um, obsessed. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, if you weren't doing what you're doing right now, um, or if you didn't go this path, what path would you have taken or what would you be doing? Oh my gosh. I, I don't think there was any other path ever. Like this has been something that was, I was recognized for young as, as a young person. Um, in middle school and it's been I'm always a storyteller no matter what I'm doing and what what industry or what's the role it's always coming back to the fact that I'm a storyteller so I don't think there's ever going to be another path for me or was ever another path for me <laughs> yeah 
What's your favorite uh, non-K-Swiss sneaker? Or DC, how about that? Oh, Ooh. <laughs> that's, that's such a tough one. Um, love Golden Goose, can I okay. say? Like, I have yet to own a pair, but every time I try them on, I'm like, man, these are so cool. <laughs> they look great, they feel great. Yeah. I love the fact that they're like unapologetic too. They've got, they're usually crazy yeah. designs on them. Like, it's awesome. <laughs> I love that word, unapologetic. Um, someone wants to be a better storyteller, what should they do? Find out why you're bored mm. and fix it. That's, that's the key to being creative is fixing your own boredom. Um, that's one of the things that, like, you're bored, write, write a story. Like, why, how can you cure your boredom? Um, if you're bored with ads, why? if you're turning off or skipping through the ads, why are you skipping through them? Figure out why um, and cure your boredom. Uh, what's uh, what's a go-to book for you? Oh, it's a tough one too. Um, well, recently I've been trying to get through Islands of Profit in a sea of red ink. Okay. It's very, it's very textbook, um, but there's great insights and great learnings there. Um, that's in my quarantine book and I've been trying to, it's definitely a tough one to get through. It's not an easy read, but it's good. Like, it's challenging. Nice. Yeah. What is a horror story that you have in the sneaker industry? Ooh. If you have any. I don't think I have any. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've, I've only been in it for a short amount of time compared to other people. Um, so I think I've seen... Uh, things where I'm like oh man that would be a horror story for me like people getting uh pigeonholed or stuck in positions that they didn't like necessarily or didn't grow in um I think that's that's my horror story is getting stuck in in something and never evolving uh never growing and being stuck there 